Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Bible Thumper Podcast, where somebody's got to say it. I'm your regular host, Patrick Hayes, and with me tonight in the studio, Caleb Jenks. Caleb, thanks for coming. The live studio audience is thrilled that you're here. How are you doing this evening? (laughs) That's good to be on here again. It's been a while. I know. So Caleb was actually the guy that I started this podcast with. I want to say it's been four years. Now, Caleb, I'm not sure if you are aware of this, but this is actually our fourth season. We started it at the beginning of the year, and I don't know what episode we're on, but this is season four. So we've been going for four calendar years, and we are almost up to 150 episodes. We're getting pretty close. How are you this week? I've had another typical Texas. We have our annual ice storms here, so I was not sure I was going to have power to actually get on here today, but uh, fortunately, we we got our power back on. Um, so no, I'm doing good. Excited for tonight's episode. I posted on Facebook a few minutes ago and said, I think this may be the most important episode (laughs) of the Bible Thumper ever. Um, so you don't want to miss this. So yeah, I'm excited about it. Okay. So this is Caleb's idea and he suggested civil disobedience, but I don't want anyone blaming him because there is nothing I like more than disobeying our government. So understand, I am in full support of this topic, but I think we might get into a little bit of what does the Bible say? What are the limitations? How does this all work? And I have some ideas because this one gets brought up and it especially gets brought up by the folks that I hang out with. And those are right-wing, conservative, survivalist, anti-government, libertarian, you know, gun nuts. Is that... Does that sound reasonable? Is that fair? Is that who I attract? Extremists like you. Extremists like me. So this gets brought up a bunch, and I know a lot of people have questions because people who love America and love the Bible, they don't really want to just like roll over and become North Korea, uh, but they're also not sure what the Bible says and, and how it all fits. So, Caleb, why don't you start by telling us why you want to talk about this this week and then we'll kind of branch off from there well i've thought about it some in the the last few years it seems that we've actually seen surprisingly we've actually seen a few men in this country grow a spine and actually stand up within within christianity Mm -hmm. and actually stand up um because of some recent political events but i figured um first that i i should mention that the reason that I think that it's important to discuss this is because I think it's commonly considered by most nice guy Christians that uh, civil disobedience isn't even a topic that that should be brought up on a Bible podcast. This isn't something that we do. Uh, The Bible commands us to obey those in authority. We just kind of uh, uh, bend over backwards, so to speak, and do whatever the government tells us because God has ordained the government, we obey the government, and that's, that's the end of the discussion, case closed. And so, therefore, you have a lot of spineless Christians walking around that don't consider the fact that I believe the most important people in uh, the Bible, biblical history, was made by people that uh, partook in civil disobedience. American history is steeped in it, and freedom and actual actually the ability to obey God and a moral law is dependent on men who are willing to uh, break another law in order to obey God's laws, which is 
civil disobedience, or I would I would consider biblical civil disobedience to be uh, a very important part of Christianity. And I don't think that um, Judeo-Christian values would survive to this day if it wasn't for people that were willing to risk it and and uh, do some sort of civil disobedience. Yeah, I agree. And I hope we can also extend a little bit further than just biblical and Christian civil disobedience and just talk about uh, American civil disobedience. Because I think the Christian avoids that idea altogether. And maybe we'll just touch on that a little later. So let's talk about this. One of my heroes in the last couple years is a fellow by the name of John MacArthur. Have you followed any of him and his church uh, and the restrictions that they were under and the de- and everything with, that with was COVID. going on? Yeah. Right. So um, they were, and, and please. So obviously, John MacArthur never wrote, read Romans 13. <laughs> he's, terrible, he's a terrible Christian, yeah. terrible preacher. He disobeyed the government. So what happened, and this, nice guy. this is a short story and a paraphrase, but um, so please look it up and, and check my facts. It's, it's a very popular story. You can find it anywhere. But essentially, uh, John MacArthur, he has a large church, and their church is Grace Community Church, and they are out in, um, I believe, is it Southern California, or are they in the Bay Area? It's yeah. somewhere out in we're out there in that terrible state yeah they're somewhere out in there in that terrible state of california and when the restrictions started coming in for what had to be locked down uh john macarthur basically said we're not doing any of that you know we don't care what you say uh if you're going to have the strip clubs and the liquor stores and you know the pot stores and the casinos open then we can stay open too okay there's no reason that we're going to shut down it's nonsense And they were threatened by uh, the governor and uh, his, you know, state officials. And they said, we're going to come and arrest you. And he said, I don't care. Go ahead and arrest me. As a matter of fact, what he said was, that's fine. I've never had much of a jail ministry. I'd be happy to start one. And that was it. He's like, that's fine. I can do this in jail just as well as I can do this from my pulpit. And then they said, we're going to fine you, you know, so much money a day. And of course, it was just an obscene, ridiculously high amount. And again, he said, I don't care. We're not shutting our church, you know, and that's the end of it. And he really uh, set the bar in a lot of ways as far as a pastor that was just fine with uh, telling the government to go, you know, jump in a lake. Uh, we're not going to stop doing what God commanded us to do just because you don't like it and just because you made a rule. Your rules uh, don't apply to us. Did you have any problem with that? Nope. No, <laughs> that's 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 one of the examples that I'm talking about as far as somebody that actually grew a spine recently and stood up to the government. And I think a lot of Christians started realizing, wait a second, uh, there might actually be an application for this where uh, as Christians that we actually have to not just walk the line. So I, I think that's, I think it's actually really cool that it's, that it's come to the point that Christians realize this is a possible option. Yes. And to give a little bit of history for our church, the church of grace here in grand junction, Colorado, a little bit smaller than John MacArthur's church, quite not, not quite as successful, 
But we actually started around the same time that churches were being shut down all over the country. And we had people come to us and say, hey, Patrick, we're not comfortable with our church shutting and locking the doors. Uh, you have a home Bible study. Would you consider you know, making it a church? And we prayed about it and felt good about it. So we started a church while all the other churches were closed. And we met in our home, so we really didn't face any kind of you know, pressure to close the doors because nobody knew that we had doors that needed to be closed and we didn't have a sign out front of our house, but now we do. We're no longer in our house. You know, it's been two and a half years and we've moved into a church building and we're renting it from them. So when the next pandemic comes around, we'll definitely have a story to tell because we had the same idea. Um, we're going to hold church and if people want to come, they're going to come. And if people don't, they don't. And that's fine. People can stay home. They can watch things virtually. But that's up to the individual. Uh, the pastor right. should not shut the church. And I will just say, shame on you for the pastors that actually listen to the government and shut the church. Keep in mind, let me give you, let me give you a little pep talk here, pastors. The day you close your church, you don't have to decide it will be like Belarus when they just kidnap you from your home in the middle of the night. And when your people show up, the church has been bulldozed and there's a pile of rubble there. That's when you close the doors to the church, when they've already been dismantled because it doesn't matter. And you're off in a room somewhere being tortured and having your fingers cut off because they want to know who's a member of your church. Okay. That's when the church closes. But you don't have to think about it. That's the great thing about being a pastor. You never have to decide when the church closes. You just keep the doors open. And then you get arrested and you get taken away. And then one of the other good men in your church, he opens the doors and then he gets arrested and taken away. And pretty soon there's no one left and the jails are full. And then you're having church in there anyhow. But that's how right. that's when the church doors close. They don't close because the government comes and tells you to do it. That's ridiculous. And that's that is not just a American modern new idea. This goes back to the very first century of the early church. Um, this is uh, Peter, James, the, uh, all the apostles actually died uh, doing civil disobedience. They were told to shut up and not talk about Jesus, and they said, "No, we're not going to stop preaching," even though it meant that they eventually received the death penalty for their civil disobedience so this isn't this isn't just like a new concept it's that pastors in america are like oh maybe we shouldn't shut the church doors because of covid you know this is this is a, a foundational element of of preaching the gospel if you're a preacher you preach even when they tell you to shut up it's, yeah. it's, it's not an option it's a it's a biblical command and the the apostles understood this and they were willing to pay with their life yeah, and I'm not going to try to find the spot in the book of Acts, or maybe I will once you take over and start chit-chatting a little bit more. But there is a portion in the scriptures where um, uh, uh, John and Peter, I think it was, were out preaching the gospel right outside of the synagogue, and they were told not to do it, and they were told to go away or else we're going to beat you and we're going to arrest you. And uh, Acts chapter 5, let's go to verse... No, it's not 5. Uh, we want to be in 4. Okay, in verse 13, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus and beholding the man which was 
healed, standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, what shall we do to these men? Okay. And what they ended up coming down to was uh, in verse 18, and they called them, talking about Peter and John, and they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. Verse 19, but Peter and John answered and said unto them, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than God, judge ye. So they were just, you know, thumbing their nose at the authorities. And they're like, look, we were commanded by God to preach the gospel. So, you know, if you think we should listen to you over God, that's up to you. You can go ahead and judge that. But we're going to be out here tomorrow doing it again. And they were. So the very the very next chapter in chapter five um so when they had brought them, they set them before the council and the high priest asked them saying, did, did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? And behold, ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Then Peter and the other apostles answer and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. you know, that's that's a very clear story. And there are several others. You can look into the book of Daniel with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and the, you know, 90 foot tall golden statue of Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, you can look at Daniel later on uh, when he is uh, commanded not to pray, you know, and he gets cast into the den of lions because of that. We see this all throughout the Bible. The Hebrew, mid- Hebrew midwives were to me are some of the most courageous and important people that preserved preserved uh, the, the biblical story by not obeying the order that was given to them to kill every child jewish they, male they, yeah. i think they did it somewhat imperfectly because they then lied about it they just didn't say well, no we're not going to obey this they said actually the, the hebrew women give birth so fast that we can't yeah make what, we just get called and bada bang the baby's already there i don't know what to tell and you yet, so you could question if that was a perfect application of biblical civil di- disobedience, but it says that God uh, honored it and gave them families because of it. So yeah. obviously God approved of their civil disobedience. Absolutely. So this idea is not new. When God commands us to do something, when God commands us not to do something, we must obey God and it doesn't matter what the government says. And you, what you have to do is you have to reconcile what are the ramifications of that before you carry out the will of God? And you just have to say, all right, well, I mean, if I get arrested, I get arrested. Folks, let me tell you, I'm a pastor and I've been arrested a lot. It's not that bad. <laughs> okay, it's just not. This is We're not talking about, you know, the days of Paul when you're cast into a Roman prison and beaten I mean, for crying out loud, you know, this is not a big deal at all. Uh, If we're not willing to stand up for God in America today, then Lord help us when real persecution starts to come to these shores. Okay, Caleb. So remember, go ahead. Do you remember reading about Henry David Thoreau in your high school history? No, uh, you must have gone to a private school. I was in a public school and uh no we were we were in what year was that junior year or senior year i don't know some at some point in my history i remember reading about him so i bought a book and and read on him and then read his thesis the the only reason i was asking is junior year we were just finishing up green eggs and ham so i don't know if that would be the natural step after that but i I didn't get there so go ahead and please tell us so 
I think that Henry David Thoreau, if you if you have a chance to to read anybody's material on this, uh, this isn't from really a Christian perspective. It was from a very American perspective, but he was a Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, but he he was a guy that was upset with the current American administration. I can't even remember who the president was, but it was the guy that declared war on Mexico because of the dispute with the Texas-Mexico border. So this president, before getting approval from Congress, declares war on Mexico. It's an all-out war on Mexico. And he also was trying to go to war with Britain again. And he also was enforcing, uh, uh, hunting down and returning slaves that has, had escaped from their owners. And it was during the during the abolition movement where people were saying that slaves should go free. And he mm-hmm. said, you guys are crazy fanatics. This is, uh, you know, that's not practical. We're not going to do that. We're going to hunt the slaves down and return them. And so this guy, uh, Henry David Thoreau, he was a, he was a writer that decided he was going to stop paying taxes because he wasn't going to have his tax go- dollars go to support this evil administration. I like so that was his act of civil disobedience. I yeah, like exactly. him. <laughs> And so he goes to walk. He, he had decided he was doing this experiment, living off in the woods uh, in a cabin and not paying his taxes. And he'd done this for years. Mm-hmm. And he walked into town to get his shoes repaired at one point. And this uh, police officer that that was I think he was in Massachusetts, if I remember right. This police officer walks up to him and says, hey, I noticed that you didn't pay your tax in the recent recent census. Mm-hmm. And he said, no, I did not. You're right. And he said, well, I know you live out in the country and i would and you probably don't have a lot of money and i would be willing to loan you the money to pay the tax because by law you're required to pay this tax and i'll personally give you a, a, a loan and he said no you don't understand i'm not paying the tax <laughs> i can Even afford to pay the money i'm not paying the tax <laughs> i haven't paid this tax for years yeah and the police officer says well you're a decent man and i this puts me in an awkward position but by law you're required to pay this tax so if you're not going to pay it then i have to arrest you and he said, no, you don't have to arrest me. You could you could resign your office. <laughs> the officer wasn't going to do that. So he arrests him mm-hmm. and he spends one night in jail. And somebody, probably this police officer, I'm not sure or I'm not sure who actually paid it off, but somebody mm-hmm. went and paid the tax debt and he got out of jail the next day. Yeah. And afterward, he wrote this thesis where he basically made a statement. And this was very impactful to me in my youth. And this was uh, what inspired my first act of civil disobedience as a teenager. Um, it, David Thoreau said that basically the government, the most limited form of government is the most ideal form of government. And ideally, man should, uh, a a government should not even uh, regulate anything at all. Mm -hmm. Ideally, that men should be prepared to not be governed by a government because all governments end up being unnecessary and evil at times. And so his, his, solution was that it is expedient that we still have to have a government because mankind is evil, but that the man, that the government should regulate the least amount possible. Mm-hmm. And he goes on to say that, um, the American soldier is, of course he was protesting this, the war with, with, uh, Mexico at the time. And he says the American soldier is, but is reducing himself to wood or straw or stone. When he, when he takes the orders to become a soldier, he's forfeiting his right to have any moral compass or make any moral choices because the government now is telling him what to do. He can be used as an agent for evil. Mm -hmm. And so he, he paints the American soldier or a, or somebody that's absolutely patriotic as the most spineless, and he said he's a man that you could pass your hand through his spine. 
Mm. which is really interesting because you think of it now as, you know, American soldiers as being somebody that's courageous and, and whatever. But he was saying that police officers and agents of a government or soldiers are actually becoming, uh, they're, they're giving up their right to, to actually make a, a moral choice and that actually taxpayers and anybody that submits to the government is just as complicit in those decisions when they're, when their government is doing evil and they continue to pay their tax dollars to it, or they continue to comply uh, that really that we answer to a higher moral law than than our government. So he was kind of the guy that introduced this civil disobedience movement, mm-hmm. which I shouldn't say introduced. I mean, America was founded on civil disobedience. Oh, from, yeah. Uh, England. But then like mo- like like the Reformation in the church, like most governments that uh, originate off of civil disobedience, then eventually they start requiring absolute obedience to to, to their control. The church over and over again does this. There's a reformation, uh, and then eventually the reformers start set up a new framework, and then they start requiring absolute submission to their framework, even if it goes against the Bible. You know, it's yeah. the same thing that we all that we fall into over and over again. So that's that's my line about David Thoreau. Go and 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 read his uh, his uh, his work. Really good. Well. Caleb, let me ask you this. Do you want to go over some examples of civil disobedience that you and I have taken part in, or do you want to move into um, what we think people should take part in, or do you want to get into more specifics, you know, because the Bible, certainly people like, you know, using the Bible for their, to support their reasons, but... What direction yeah, do you want to go before I take yeah, it in a I'd li- I'd different direction? I'd like to direction. hear a couple of, an ex- of examples of, of you. Um, I mentioned the first the first time that I actually intentionally decided on civil disobedience as a teenager, and that was uh, my refusal to sign up for selective service. Dude, that was I, mine. You just stole mine. Really? <laughs> okay. Okay, so, so tell I me what you're to thinking. I waited my driver's license until mm-hmm. I was 21 years old, intentionally oh, okay. because in Colorado, by law, you are supposed, well, I think all, all across the country, by law, yeah. when you hit 18, you're supposed to sign up for the draft. Sure. Uh, selective service. Mm-hmm. But it's involuntary when you get your driver's license, you're automatically enrolled. So I did really? not do that. And I chose not to get my driver's license till I turned 21 because I would be a little less likely to be drafted. I'd be kind of in the second pick. Sure. Which was for me at the time, I, you know, I, th- I felt that the Bush administration and some of some of, well, I guess I don't know if, yeah, it would have been the Bush administration then that they were warmongers and mm-hmm. that they were likely to get us in a lot deeper than we ended up in the middle, middle East. And I did not want to be forced to go against my conscience uh, and it wasn't just because I was nonviolent. I actually have a little bit more um, opinion now on nonviolence than I than I did at the time. Uh, but my problem with going to war or being drafted in the army it was not because I was was then or even now am absolutely against using lethal force. It was because I didn't want to have to use lethal force um, against my will. Sure. I didn't want somebody else to tell me when I had to do that. So I refused to sign up for selective service because I didn't want to be drafted. Uh, so that was my first act of civil disobedience. And, and, and we all have to pick our hill, hill to die on. And to me, mm-hmm. like the whole mask mandate and the COVID thing is a hilarious hill to die on. It's, yeah. it's so comical that that's, but I'm glad that that came up because mm-hmm. it actually 
it's a good reminder of the fact that we should do that. That would be a more recent uh, situation. I refuse to wear masks and comply with a lot of what I believe were unlawful uh, uh, laws that were passed that were unconstitutional, unlawful. Another one that is uh, very trivial for most people, I refuse to wear a seatbelt. Mm-hmm. Um, some some of the time, some of the time I'll wear it if I think that it's safer, but I'm not going to wear it just because they a have law passed said unconstitutional to. laws to mm-hmm. protect me from harming myself, even though I couldn't be possibly be harming somebody else by not doing it. So that's another, it, that's, that's a very petty thing for me, but it's one, it's a, it's a, that's a hill that although I won't die on, I'm, mm-hmm. I think it's good to be comfortable with realizing that the government doesn't have absolute say over every aspect of our, of our lives. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's another one that I currently still practice regularly. And I've paid a few seatbelt tickets. I've never been sure. arrested, uh, but I have paid a few seatbelt tickets and I do it with joy. It's, it's a convenience fee for me to not have to wear my seatbelts. It's pennies a day and it's, it's, I, I love doing it. So I had the same thing. My, the very first one uh, that I did was selective service. And I got this notice in the mail when I turned 18 and I was like, well, what's this? You know, and it says right on, I mean, they start out like very threatening. They're like, this is the law. If you don't do it, you're going to face, you know, fines and penalties and jail time and all this stuff. And I'm looking at this and I'm like, what on earth is this? And I asked my mom or my dad what it was because I was still at home when I was 18. Then I went off to college, you know, and they were like, oh, yeah, that's what it is. Selective service. And the idea is that if there's ever a draft, you know, this is you registering so that they know, uh, you know, who is going to be in the in the pool that they're going to pick from. <clears throat> and I read the whole thing and I was like, well, I don't really want to do that. And I uh, threw it in the trash. And my favorite thing to do when the government writes me a letter is throw it in the trash. Mm-hmm. And I started with the selective service and it was for the same thing. I was like, well, you know, I don't agree with that. So, you know, you're, you're telling me you're going to find me and throw me in jail. Good luck. See if you can do it. You know, boom, in the trash. We had one that came up just recently, and we had an Airbnb that we started on our farm because we had this little studio apartment. And, man, the the county must have had someone, like, searching Airbnb in Mesa County to see who was bringing these things up. And they're like, they sent me a letter. And they're like, uh, yeah, you know, this is a business and it's on your property and you got to register with us. And, you know, these are the forms you got to fill out, you know, for us to approve it. And then this is the taxes you got to pay. And I called my buddy Steve and this guy has property like all over the country in different states and he's big in a real estate. And I told him this and I was like, what should I do with this? He said, did they send it registered mail? I said, no. He said, throw it out. You never got it. I was like, brilliant. So from now on, that's what I do. If I get something from the government and I don't like the sound of it, I just throw it out. I didn't get that. Right. Did you send it registered mail? No. Then go ahead and prove that I got it. You know, and for me, here's the problem. People don't understand that the way that you fight back against an oppressive government is in many ways. And only one of them has to do with riots and Molotov cocktails, okay? And that is the least preferred way to fight back against an oppressive regime. But the way that you fight back against an oppressive regime to make sure that you never have to stand in the street throwing Molotov cocktails is, okay, to fight back against any small injustice that comes up. 
So for me, any time you, you say, oh, I'm not going to die on that hill. My motto is die on every hill. Okay. Anytime right. you can get into a fight, do it and make your fight an intelligent one because you know that the government is working outside of its boundaries. But what happens is even though it does work outside of its boundaries, unless someone is there to hold the government accountable, the, what people don't understand is that the government is happy to break the law. The government will break the law all over the place to tread on your rights and your freedoms at every chance they get. And the only way they stop doing that is if people stand up to them. But people have it in their head that if the government does it, therefore, it is righteous. The government does it, it must be righteous. That's not the truth. The government breaks the law constantly. In every state, on every level, the federal government breaks the law, the county government breaks the law, the state government breaks the law. They all break the law, and they do it all the time. And they're constantly pushing the boundaries to see if you will just comply, because they know they don't really need a law, and they don't need a legal law. And yes, there are such things as legal and illegal laws. They don't need a legal law. What they need is you to believe that you have to do it, and then for you to comply. Right. So in the same way I had, it was a couple of years ago, I got a notice in the mail for the census. Okay, so I don't remember what, you know, amendment to the Constitution it was, but uh, there's going to be a census from time to time, all right? And they are going to go right. around and they want to know how many people live in this house and, you know, and they want to know other information, you know, do you, they they, they want to know if you have uh, livestock or agriculture and they want to, know, you know, know these different things. And, and it, it mostly has to do with the number of people that affects the, um, the, uh, the number of votes. Tax dollars. You got it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what it comes down to. So I got this thing that said the census and it wanted you to fill it out and I threw it out. And I got another one in the mail months later and I took that and I threw that one out. And then I had someone from the federal government show up at my house and knock on my door and they said, hi, I'm from the Census Bureau. And I said, great, get off my property. And they're like, what? And I said, get off my property. You're not welcome on my property. And they're like, I have a constitutional right to be here. And I said, you want to see what else the Constitution gives me the right to do? So I got out my AK-47 <laughs> and I walked out there and they're like, what the hell are you doing? I said, I have a right to hold this and I'm going to stand right next to you holding this, you know, because you're on my property and I don't want you here. I don't trust you as far as I can throw you. If you feel uncomfortable, you can call the police or you can just leave my property. But just understand that if you do anything that I feel is threatening, I am here and able to protect myself. They were gone in like a minute and they never came back. You know, all we want to know is how many people live here. I was like, you don't have a right to know anything about me or my family. I don't trust you. Get lost. Now, I understand most people aren't going to do that. Is your property zoned to agriculture? It is. So I've had the Department yeah. of the so Agriculture absolutely every and the Department of the Interior come here. Know. Yep. They want to know, do you have any cows? How many cows do you have? Do you have? How many acres do you have? What do you grow here? Why do they want to know that? They want to know that so when they start seizing property, they know where to go. That's why they want to know that because there might be a day when they need cows. So they want to know what property to go to, to steal your cows. That's all that, what else could they possibly owner, want to know that for? They, they assume that you that you want your government grants for your 
crop insurance and you're this and you're that. And so you're going to give them all the details in the world such that you yeah. can comply and, and you can keep getting government benefits. Nope. Whereas for, for somebody like you with a small farm, you're not dealing with crop insurance. Anything. <laughs> Any no. Yeah, you don't, you don't care. But they want to still know everything that, that – yeah, my mom actually just got the same thing for her property, and she called me the other day, and I said, you know what I would do? I would throw it in the trash. She yep. Said, like, well, it says here by law I'm required to fill it out. And I said, okay, and, just so – And then what? Okay, just so you know, and this is good for everyone to know, I looked it up. The last time someone was charged and prosecuted for not complying with the Census Bureau was back in the 1800s, and they served a $100 fine. So yeah, it's, it's not worth my time for a hundred dollars yeah. to fill out their five okay. page question. So yet. next time they come on your property and you tell them not too politely with a gun on your side to get lost, crumple up a hundred dollar bill and throw it in their face and say, there, I paid the fine, get lost done. I'm not doing it. Okay. Find me, find me twice. I don't care. I'm not playing the game. There are plenty of people that are going to play the game. I'm not one of them. Figure it out. Anyway, was that was that uplifting? Did that encourage anyone in the Lord? I'm just gonna read. I found this. <laughs> okay, go ahead. You read okay, so something, and then I, I want to quote something this. when you're done. Go ahead. Okay, so I I just looked this David this David Thoreau writing up, and I'm just gonna mm-hmm. read a little snippet of it. A yeah. common and natural result of an undue respect for law is that you may see a file of soldiers, colonel, captain, corporal, privates powder monkeys and all marching in admirable order over a hill and dale to the wars against their wills a against their common sense and consciences which makes it very steep marching indeed and produces a palpitation of the heart they have no doubt that it is a damnable business which they are concerned yet they all yet they are all peaceably inclined now what are they men Men at all or small movable forts and magazines at the service of some unscrupulous man in power. Visit the Navy Yard and behold a Marine, such a man as an American government can make, or such as it can make a man with its black arts, a mere shadow of uh, and reminiscence of humanity, a man laid out alive and standing, and already, as one may say, buried under arms with funeral accompaniments, though it may be. Not a drum was heard, not a funeral note at his course the rampart we hurried not not a soldier discharged his farewell shot or the grave our hero we buried the mass of men serve the state thus not as men but mainly as machines with their bodies they are the standing army the, and the militia jailers constables posse etc in most cases there is no free exercise whatsoever of the judgment or of the moral sense but they put themselves on a level with wood and earth and stones and wooden men can perhaps be manufactured that will serve the purpose as well such command no more respect of men more no more respect than men of straw or lump of dirt they have the same worth only as horses and dogs yet as these even are com- commonly esteemed as good citizens others as most legislators politicians lawyers ministers and office holders serve the state chiefly with their heads and are and they rarely make any moral distinctions they are as likely to serve the devil without intending it as God. 
A very few as heroes, patriots, martyrs, reformers in the great sense, and men serve the state with their consciences also, and so necessarily resist it for the most part, and they are commonly treated as enemies by it. A wise man will only be useful as a man and will not submit to be clay and to stop a hole that keep the wind away, but to leave that office to the dust at least. I'm not going to continue reading. This is a very, very long piece, but it's it's the, the point that you're making there is that you recognize the fact that when somebody has sold their soul to be an agent for the government and come knock on your door and collect information that they have no right to take, that they are, they're a representative of a unjust and unconstitutional, unlawful government. And so therefore you're willing to resist that in every form, which is a lot of people say, well, you know, it's, don't don't shoot the messenger, so to speak. You know, mm-hmm. how are you going to go after a government agent that's, you know, the, the whole back the blue movements, for, for instance, you know, Trump was very big on that, you know, backing the police officers or whatever. Well, you can only back them as long as they're actually going to enforce laws and protect the rights of the citizens who they are there to serve and protect. If you're a lawful citizen, they should be there to protect you and uh, protect your rights and, you, and you're the one that writes their paycheck. They are your civil servant. Mm-hmm. And so when they get to the point where they're going to start imposing in unjust laws on, on citizens that are, they're hired to serve and protect, they're no longer, uh, they're no longer, I, I they, they, they lose all respect. And like, like uh, Thoreau says here, they are, they are just like wood and straw. They have become an agent of the government. And so, I'm not I'm not saying I'm not promoting going out and taking your AK-47 and starting to blow up every government agent that you see. I wish that government agents would resign if they get to the point that they're being forced to uh, enforce unethical or immoral laws. Good luck. Unfortunately, most of them have already sold their soul to the devil and they're willing to do, you know, like like he says, uh, unknowingly, they would just as likely serve Satan as they would God. Mm hmm. So here's what I want people to understand. The Christian in America today is both an American and a Christian. You do not cease to be an American just because you become a Christian. And that is what I fear is going on in America. And people don't have the stomach to put up a fight with anybody. And Caleb, what what you talked about earlier with this gentleman was that when he ran into a police officer and the police officer told him, you need to pay this, I'll pay it for you. And he said, no, that's not how it works. I'm not going to do it even if I'm given the money. And the police officer said, well, that puts me in a tough spot because I know you're a good man, but my job is to arrest you. And he said, you don't have to arrest me. And that's the truth. The fact is, there can be justice on many levels. The first one is with law enforcement that has a desire to do right rather than obey a tyrant. And I would say that even though Henry David Thoreau suggested that the police officer could resign from his position, the police officer could very well just have ignored what was going on because he knew that it was an abuse. Then you can go and you can go to in, you know, in America in Western Colorado and Mesa County, they bring you to the sheriff's department and the sheriff's department. They act as the jailer. 
And the sheriff's department could just as easily say, we're not taking them. We know what you want to throw them in jail for, but we're not doing it. And that happened when COVID-19 restrictions came to Mesa County. The sheriff got on the news right after the governor made the law that everybody has to uh, wear a mask and, you know, no one's allowed to go out wherever without a mask. And, you know, these are the lockdowns and the curfews and whatever. And the sheriff got on the TV, you know, the very morning after that and said, uh, we're not dealing with any of this. We don't have time to deal with this. We don't have the manpower for this. This is nonsense. We're not going to do any of it. So we are just going to assume that if you have a mask on, you need one. And if you don't, you have a reason for it. And that's it. We're going to go about our jobs. But we don't, you know, we're not, we're not going to police this. And that was law enforcement. Wasn't there some sheriffs in all over the country? Sheriffs in Western Colorado that did did the same thing with, um, some some sort of illegal search warrants for firearms or uh, there there were several cases was passed there by the yep and one of them was the magazine restriction when they said okay magazines that have this many um uh cartridges that can fit into it are now illegal and again they're like we're not enforcing that all of these magazines were fine yesterday and tomorrow where you want us to write tickets and say they're illegal. There's nothing wrong with this. We're not, we're not doing that. Okay. And magazines don't come with serial numbers. We don't know when they were made. So we don't care. We are not, you know, getting into this at all. There was a sheriff out in Virginia when they were pushing really hard, some anti second amendment, uh, literature and trying to get some laws through and the sheriff, uh, one of the sheriffs out there in Virginia stood up and said, go ahead and pass the law. I don't care. He said, the next day I will deputize right. every citizen in this county. There you go. Wow. Okay. Make whatever guns you want illegal. Okay. As a sheriff, they can own them. So you do you and I'll do me. And that's what we need is we need a few good men to stand up to tyrants. And remember, just because you're a Christian does not mean that you forfeit your duty as an American. You have a duty, and I want to read what that is right now. Caleb, what was the very first document for the United States of America? What do you think? The Constitution. Or no, the Declaration of Independence. Boom. Declaration of Independence. Do you know what the Declaration of Independence said about this? The Declaration of Independence said, Prudence indeed will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light and transient causes. And accordingly, all experience hath shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer while evils are sufferable than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. But when a long train of abuses and usurpations, I always stumble at that one. I had to memorize this in school. Yeah, usurpations. Thank you. But when a long train of abuses and usurpations pursuing invariably the same object evidences a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, you ready for this? It is the right it is their duty to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security. Do you realize, friends, that the very first document of the United States of America said we are no longer British, we are no longer citizens of the crown, 
We are now our own country. And as soon as this brand new country becomes to be despotic, it is the duty of every man in this country to forcibly remove that government. That is what the Declaration of Independence says is the duty of the American man. And we get all upset because, oh, someone didn't wear a mask when they were supposed to. You are supposed to take up arms and with force. That means with violence and blood, overthrow the current government and put in one that works. That's your duty. When did we become so soft and effeminate? Well, that's, and I've, I've, I've reiterated this over and over again, and it's a very unpopular uh, opinion of mine, but the January 6th riot was the most American thing that I've seen in my lifetime. Yeah. That was the closest <laughs> to a revolution that I've ever seen us come. And it, it, it showed me very clearly that 99% of the politicians in Washington, D.C., to me, are traitors mm-hmm. against the American people because the 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 Capitol building and and the the halls that they that those politicians serve in that is that belongs to the American people. Mm-hmm. And so, for the American people to stand up and say what's happening is wrong, we're going to take a stand. You guys are cheating. You're lying. We're going to we're going to take it was it was a hundred percent a peaceful protest. Mm-hmm. I, I I have a I have an I have an issue with some protests that we've seen recently where there's looting and and rioting oh, yeah. and, and things that are things that are done that are that are to me as a Christian I couldn't participate in. Absolutely, un, they're not they're unbiblical civil disobedience where you're going and destroying other people's property and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. The January sixth situation was was people going into the to the Congress. They didn't fire a shot. Nope. I'm sorry. The, the Capitol building. They didn't fire a shot. They didn't have guns. They, they yeah. What, what they kind of an overthrow and, is it when you don't bring guns? <laughs> I mean, right. You know the idea no, that we're I mean, calling it's, it's that. Embarrassing. <laughs> it's embarrassing what a bunch of softies they were. I mean, literally, the, the, the founding fathers would be embarrassed that it would yeah. get to the point that the bravest men in this country show up with their, with their camera phones. Yeah, with their cell phones. It's like, Pelosi's desk. yeah, look, just so you know, okay, let me, let me lay it out for you. Next time you want to overthrow America, you get all of the leadership of the military and you kill them all at once. You knock out the communications. Okay, you go and you take over all of the buildings, okay, that the, that the po- politicians have. You round up all of the politicians. Okay, that, that's how you take over a country. Have we never been to Venezuela? Have you never read about Cuba? You don't just walk in 20 of you to a Capitol building with phones and video cameras and say we're here to take over. That's a joke. It wasn't an insurrection. No one was trying to take over. It was a bunch of people doing a peaceful protest. Yes, they broke some stuff. Yes, I think they stole a few things. No, they should not have done any of that. I understand all that. But stop calling it an insurrection. That's a joke. You want to know what an insurrection is? Talk to Robespierre. Okay, they gathered every single Frenchman that they could find and they set up a guillotine in the street and they cut their heads off. And then they went and found their families and they cut their heads off. And then they got their maids and their butlers and their servants and they cut their heads off. And they found everybody that ever supported the crown, even for a moment, and they found them and they rounded them and they cut their heads off. Okay, that is an insurrection. Blood in the streets. 
Okay, a bunch of people that are dressed up and are upset, you know, walking into a public building is not an insurrection. So stop calling it one. Right. Well, and the, Sorry. And the, the fact that, that politicians on both sides didn't listen to the American people and say, hey, there's a problem. Let's yeah. sit down and talk. Let's Maybe listen. we should. Let's have a, let's, yeah. Instead, we should figure something like, out here. A bunch of traitors. You, we're going to put you in jail because this is this is the most anti-American thing that we've ever seen. You guys are not patriotic. It, it, to yeah. me, it was it, I lost faith in so many politicians that I actually thought were decent patriots. Mm-hmm. And, and when they when they started coming up and, and condemning the January 6th riot as as un-American and as terrorists and as traitors or whatever, they, they lost they lost my confidence. And I, so I think that we have been conditioned to think in this country that, OK, we're given a choice between the lesser of two evils and we make our decisions at the ballot box. And outside of that, that's the only that's decision, it. The only time that we can have an influence, mm-hmm. which is which is baloney. Yeah, they, they get it's a false sense of it's a false sense of saying, OK, I'm going to stand for what is right as long as the majority goes along with me and, and we get the vote our way. But then if we lose the election, then I'm just I'm not going to do anything. Well, that's the same thing that happened in Nazi Germany mm-hmm. and Hitler would have had absolutely no power if the people in Germany hadn't submitted to his unlawful requests, you know, it started one thing after another, no different than the, the mask mandates and stuff here. They started number, you know, putting registration cards and numbers and, and, and markings on the Jewish people. And one thing after another, it, it led up to the fact that eventually he amassed a, a huge enough following that there was other men that, that did his evil deeds for him. Mm-hmm. So if there would have been civil disobedience from the start, he would have never gained the power to, to do what he did. Mm-hmm. So the evil was actually carried out by willing participants that submitted to this perceived authority, which it was unconstitutional. And that was proved when these guys were tried at the Nuremberg trials where they said, well, we were just obeying the law of the land. Yep. And they said, no, there's a law that's higher than the law of the land. And you violated that moral law. Yeah, we were, you know, anytime I get into an argument with a government official, I always bait them into saying well i'm just following orders right like that's all i am trying to get them to say just so i can laugh in their face and point out what they just said it's like guys don't see that's the problem the government official where you really need to start seeing civil disobedience is within the government that's what you need it, it, it should not be from the people anymore. Caleb, do you know why all those politicians were so upset with the January 6th, um, you know, kerfuffle? That, that's, that's the most serious word I will use to describe it. The January 6th kerfuffle. I will not say insurrection because it's a joke. Nancy Pelosi is a joke. Right. Chuck Schumer is a joke. So, yes, during the January 6th kerfuffle, do you know why so many politicians got so upset, both on the left and the right, conservative and Democrat? Do you know why they got so upset? Because for the first time in their lives, they feared the American people. Right. And they just can't have that. They felt threatened. And what people don't understand is that is the normal state government officials should always be under. They should always be under a state of fear. And people will say, well, Patrick, that just doesn't sound right. And that definitely doesn't sound Christian. I don't know. That, that, that sounds kind of, you know, a little extreme. Really? Do you fear the IRS? 
How do you feel when you get a letter in the mail from the IRS? Because last time I got a letter, they weren't just checking in to see how I'm doing. They weren't wishing me a happy birthday. Okay, all they do is come in and they threaten that we are going to take away your property, we are going to seize your funds, we are going to make your life miserable. They operate on fear. I know loan sharks that are kinder than the IRS. That's what the government operates on is fear and intimidation. And the way the government was supposed to be set up is that the federal government was supposed to be so small that they constantly feared the U.S. citizen. And it got flipped on its head to now, all of a sudden, we fear the FBI, we fear the NSA, we fear the IRS, we fear all these different agencies of the government. They are supposed to fear you. That's the way it's supposed to work. They are so big and they are so out of control and they keep pushing and pushing and pushing and nobody is willing to stand up because we're all scared. So, yeah, January 6th kerfuffle. Spineless sheep. Yeah. Yep. And and, 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 and honestly, a lot of Christians are about the worst. Christians are the worst. Spineless sheep. They are. Because they feel like they're morally obligated. I I mentioned Romans 13, but I'm just going to read this. Yeah, bring it up. And take this in the context of the fact that Paul, like I mentioned already, Paul eventually served. uh, I mean, he was he was executed because of his civil disobedience. But he says, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers for there's no power but of god now note that there's no power but of god the powers that are that be are ordained of god whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth resisteth the ordinance of god and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation for rulers are not a terror to good works but to evil wilt thou then not be afraid of the power do that which is good and thou shalt have praise of the same and he wrote this to the romans during the time of Nero's terror on the Christians, because Nero had was suspected of starting a fire that burned down uh, a large, a large portion of, of Rome. And yeah. And, and he, he blamed, says, we're going to blame it on, on the Christians, make the Christians mm-hmm. scapegoats because nobody likes them anyways. Mm-hmm. And so he writes this to the church in Rome at the time that was being persecuted by Nero, one of the most evil uh, men of the, of the day and one of the most powerful men in the world. And, and he says, be subject to the, to, to the rulers. But I think it has to be taken in, in context. But if you just read this verse in Romans 13 and you say, okay, well, uh, case closed. There it I'm is. Christian. Whatever they I say, that's what goes. Anything and everything. But he says there is no power but of God. The powers that are be are ordained of God. So I think that he's, he's, he recognizes that there is a higher moral law that he's responsible to, and that is of, of God. Yes, God has ordained governments. Uh, and keep in mind that originally the, re- the reason that God even allowed this be- was because he said that we had rejected him and wanted to set up for ourselves kings to be like the nations around us. So it's an imperfect form of government, but God has allowed this to exist. Um, keep in mind also one thing uh, as far as paying taxes. I'm not advocating that people don't pay their taxes. But I am. I'd like to see everyone minute. stop like this year, just everybody, all at once. I they believe this is prosecute a more all of administration. Us currently that's that's promoting i mean slavery is about as bad as it gets sure slavery was was a dark mark on on american history they were regulating the breeding of slaves and selling Mm -hmm. them and and they were treated as merchandise the government was chasing them down hunting them down returning them to their owners it was a terrible terrible time however as bad as it was most of them were allowed to live (laughs) and now we have 
had a administration that kills the babies just like pharaoh had required the midwives the, the hebrews to do and and so we have a evil we have an evil movement that's been going on politically and yet people just subject subject themselves to it and then they laugh at christians for making a stink about the pro-life movement they're like oh come on guys just you know forget about it it's not a big deal it's a medical procedure you know whatever so these to me this is i i believe that it's Jesus didn't actually willfully pay his tax. He mm-hmm. waited until they came after him and they were like, hey, you haven't paid your tax. He's like, okay, fine, I'll pay my tax. And mm-hmm. He said, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's and unto yep. God what is God. Our body, our lives, our souls belong to God. And the and the decisions that we make are the most, you could be the most insignificant person. And if you absolutely submit yourself to God and are willing to disobey another another ordinance that is unlawful according to God's law, I, I believe that you can be just as powerful as many of the Bible heroes that uh, that chose this. You know, Daniel, what, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They weren't they weren't significant people. These he- Hebrew midwives, they weren't significant. Yet their names get recorded in history. And the and the Pharaoh, which probably would have been one of the most powerful time men at the time, his name isn't even recorded. We don't even know what the guy's name was. Mm-hmm. He just was the Pharaoh. Yep. But those he- he- Hebrew midwives, they were insignificant, basically maids, servants. And yet their names get recorded and they go down in history as, I mean, I, I would consider them to be more, uh, more influential or, or um, circumstantial than uh, Martin Luther King or Nelson Mandel or uh, Gandhi or some of these more recent uh, people that promoted human rights and were, you know, civil disobedience. I, I think that, I think that you, do, you can't underestimate the power of a few men choosing to stand up and say, you know what? No, we're not going to do this. We're not going to go along. We're not going to comply. And, and like you sa- said with uh, MacArthur out there in California, it's it's a small thing, but it made a big splash. Yep. You're like, no, you know what? I'm going to keep my, my church doors open. Yeah. Well, it seems like it's no big deal, but yet it made national news. People found out, hey, there's one man yep. in the United States that's brave enough to say, you know what? I'm going to risk going to jail mm-hmm. and I'm going to keep my church doors open because this is the right thing to do. And I answer to God first there you have to recognize the different levels of authority god is never going to come in below the government that you're subjected to yes we're subjected to authority in the government but only so long as that isn't causing us to be uh to break god's laws and i don't think there's anything wrong with flexing your your rights as an american citizen even if the even if I mean, there's some of the some of the times where I've like like I said, seatbelts. That's a petty thing, mm-hmm. but I don't feel like I'm biblically required by God's law to submit to an unnecessary, unconstitutional law that's made. I have some freedoms and rights as an American citizen that I'm provided that they weren't necessarily provided in in Bible times. Yeah, you know, Romans had some rights, and and Paul and some of them they they exercised their rights even though it wasn't uh, for some greater good for some, somebody else to protect some unborn life or you know some some greater good they were protecting their own rights and saying no I have rights as an as a Roman citizen I'm going to use these and you're not going to beat me like you would you know somebody that wasn't a Roman citizen so I think that it's there's nothing wrong with us kind of exercising our our rights with civil disobedience even if it's not something that is explicitly going against the bible like if they if they tell you to go and kill somebody obviously you can you can rebel against that but i don't think it has to stop there and i'm not arrogant enough to say that i think i have the perfect prescription for for how is the perfect way for christians to civilly disobey the government oh yeah i think that there's i think there's a lot more room for us to do it and to take a stand and to retain our rights 
because just like I said with the Nazis, all it, it was just it was one step after another after another, and it took them down this road where eventually the the German citizens were doing the most hor- horrendous thing to their fellow citizens uh, that, that they could have ever imagined, and none of them would have initially signed up for. Yeah, the one thing I do want to make clear to everyone is I'm talking about two different types of civil disobedience. One that is biblically required by the Christian, and that's what Caleb mentioned, which is any time that the government makes a law or forbids us, commands us or forbids us to do something that goes directly against the Bible, um, it's not a good idea to disobey the government. You are required under God's law to disobey the government. Okay, you cannot just obey the government because obeying God would be difficult or because there would be consequences that would be unpleasant. You are required as a Christian. Do you understand that you already have a king and no elected official will ever supersede your king? There's only one that you are ever to bow down to, and that is King Jesus. And other than that, you never bow the knee, ever. I don't care who it is. The second thing that I'm talking about is civil disobedience required as an American citizen. And I think that the reason we bring that up is because Christians think they are exempt from fighting back against a tyrannical government. And you are not. You need to put in effort against the government as a Christian. But you also need to put in effort against the government in order to be an American. And that is the only way you are going to guarantee your freedoms is if someone is willing to fight for it. And just because you're a Christian doesn't give you an exemption on the second idea. You are still an American citizen and you're still required to fight against tyranny. And we're probably not going to go overseas and fight against tyranny. We're going to do it right here. And it's very important that any chance we get to do that, we do that. The government needs to see that they are not the one in charge. They are not the one that has the power. Okay, they certainly do not have the numbers. And as a Christian, if you, uh, I mean, I'll be honest, you're just a joke if you're not willing to stand up against the government in America. You know, I mean, right. God help you, don't ever become a missionary. Don't ever do any work in Venezuela, you know, don't ever do any work down in Argentina. Okay. Because those governments are a lot less friendly than ours. When you think about it, some, some situations of civil disobedience, when you think about it, it's actually almost the ultimate form of obedience. Yes. Um, Because you're willing to submit yourself to an unjust law. Uh, Think about Rosa Parks, for instance, Mm -hmm. uh, African-American lady that's required to get up and and give her seat to a white person on a bus. And she Mm -hmm. says, nope, I'm not going to do it. Not doing it. And, and she realizes it's an unjust law and she's willing yes. to pay the fine or the, the jail time and be yeah. arrested for and, and and by her doing so, she's willing to submit herself to a worse punishment than she would have had to just get, get up and give her seat. Yes. Uh, the same thing with this uh, Henry uh, David Thoreau. He no, could have, hold on, hold on, hold on. Stop for one second. Stop oh, yeah, for one second. This needs to be reiterated. What Caleb is talking about with Rosa Parks She is a national hero. They were talking about putting her picture on money. Right. And her, what she did was she rebelled against a tyrant. 
Oh, an old woman decided to stand up against the government. And we honor her in history books today. And peop- grown men are scared to stand up against a government where they might get a $20 fine. That's what I'm talking about. There is a time to do it. And it is not, it is not bad. You don't think Rosa Parks was a Christian? She was a black woman that grew up in the South. I guarantee she went to church every Sunday. I would bet my paycheck that she was a Christian. It didn't stop her. She saw a tyrannical law, an unjust law, and she said, no, it stops right now. I'm done with it. And like I said, she she has more courage and more honor than most Christian men I know. Go ahead, Caleb. I'm sorry for interrupting you. It just, it was a great point, and I wanted to hammer it home a little more. Well, the, the, the same thing goes for so many other people. When you think about it, they actually inconvenienced themselves substantially and submitted themselves to unnecessary torture for a cause that they believed in. Um, if you think about this uh, David uh, Thoreau guy, he could have just let the sheriff pay his tax for him he could have said no what i'm not going to do that and i'm going to punch you in the face but instead mm-hmm. he's like that's fine arrest me i'll go yeah. spend the night in jail yeah whatever he submitted himself to it and he said when he that night that he spent the night in jail he said that he felt like he was more free in jail than all of the other townspeople that were out there walking past the window of his jail and paying their taxes he said i'm more free than all of them are and and he realized he'd never been in jail i don't know that he ever was in jail again since then uh, the same thing with uh martin luther king he said um I, I, I don't know the quote, but he basically he basically said that the ultimate form of of obedience is civil disobedience. When when you choose to to disobey an unjust law, that you're 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 submitting yourself to an unjust government in a more severe way by being arrested or being mistreated for it. it uh, the same thing with with some of the, the 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 guys in the Bible that we were talking about earlier. There's situations there. I think what 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 was the deal with. Uh, King Saul ordered that was it uh, wasn't Solomon. Which one of his sons was it that ate the honey after he had commanded that none of his soldiers eat anything? And I think it was Solomon that went through, or one of his sons, I can't remember. He went through and he he ate some honey to strengthen himself because he was weak. And then when King Saul finds out, he orders that his son be put to death. And the soldiers rebelled against Saul and said, no, let not, you know, a hero like, no, it was Jonathan. It was Jonathan, not, not Solomon. It was Jonathan that had eaten the honey and they, and they refused to go and kill him. And they disobeyed the King's order and saved Jonathan's life. That was civil disobedience for what they knew was an unjust order. Uh, it was a immoral order that they'd been given and they disobeyed it. And any, and you look at what ended up happening with Jonathan in his life later on, he lived a very significant life that would have been cut short had those soldiers that were had signed up signed their life away to the king they chose to disobey but they had the power to actually you know do something significant so like to to your earlier point it would be one of the most effective things is when actual government officials stand up and say no we're going to do right rather than what we're ordered Mm -hmm. yeah that would really change america pretty quickly and we're starting to see that there are really they're starting to come out 
um, some uh, whistleblowers. You know, we're starting to see them in the FBI, uh, people who are standing up and saying, no, um, pe- uh, you know, people are engaged in illegal actions and they are trampling on Americans' rights. You know, there are people like, um, oh, who is it? Uh, the fellow that, oh, Edward Snowden. Okay, oh, who yeah. came out? I, I love Edward Snowden. I think what he did was great. Wait, uh, I think he's I thought, an American I thought hero. The politicians told me he was a traitor. Oh yeah, they did. And uh, and if they could get him, you know, here from Russia, yeah, they would. They would. Um, he would definitely go to federal prison. Uh, um, uh, if not, you know, uh, he would. Uh, yeah, be you know, he might commit suicide you know you know but honestly um the the way that i see it is um uh guys like edward snowden julian assange uh these guys um they are trying to get the truth out about a tyrannical government and if you read edward snowden's book okay if you watch one of the documentaries or they even made a movie about him I mean, you will see that this guy was a genius. Uh, He was um, involved in the highest level of cybersecurity for the United States of America. He worked for the CIA, for the NSA, for the Department of Defense. And this guy saw what the United States government was using, the technology that he invented, what they were using it for, and they were absolutely trampling on the rights of American citizens. They were spying on American citizens. They were breaking the laws, and they just justified it and dismissed it as, meh, who cares, whatever, you know, this is for the good of everybody. And he was a guy that uh, stood up and said, no, this isn't okay, you know, you can't just justify whatever you want. You can't just do whatever you want. If that's the, if that's the case, well, then, you know, you're really kind of the definition of a tyrant. And this is going to be, this is going to be a real bad deal. Um, and I look at those guys as absolute uh, heroes. You know, I think they should be pardoned. They should be immediately, you know, um, you know, allowed back into the United States. I don't think that should be a problem. But they clearly were, you know, Edward Snowden was the poster boy for civil disobedience. And he, what he did, um, I really think, helped every single American and shed light on a tyrannical government. Caleb, I believe 100% to my soul, I am more convinced that the United States government would just gladly kill me and destroy my family um i am more convinced that they would do that if it would convenience them at all i'm more convinced of that than i am that jesus is the son of god okay they are not our friend the federal government is not here to help you sam (laughs) okay they're not what people seem when you think about it think about the Sorry, go ahead. No, no, finish. Go ahead. Jump on in. Yeah, I can rattle on forever. Oh, no, I was just going to say, when you think about it, when you think about the, the rights that were being trampled on by by Great Britain mm-hmm. during the uh, Revolutionary War, yeah, and now you look at the, the rights that we have in the free world, in this free country, look at how much how many hoops you have to jump through just to build yourself a house or yeah. to even uh, grow crops on your land, like you're talking about. The, the red tape and the amount of involvement that the government has in our lives and and it's laughable 
that we call it a free country anymore yeah. because the freedoms have been completely completely and totally trampled on yes there's there's some freedoms that we have here that they don't have in communist countries yeah but the, the idea that that somehow our government has a cha- has attained the highest level of of freedom is 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 laughable it, we were a pioneer in freedom but it's been it's been our, our rights are trampled on all the time and and the only reason they can do that is because nobody stands up and correct says no nobody, nobody stands ever up stands no. up we're all just sheep yep and and keep in mind folks something you need to understand is there's a difference between caleb and i both have the same feeling and caleb correct me if i'm wrong i mean i don't want to speak for you but i'm going to because i believe i know where you stand caleb and i have the same feelings about america versus america's government and those are two very different things i believe america and the people in america are the greatest in the world i believe the government of the united states of america is tyrannical and oppressive at best it is a institution that i can honestly say i hate and i can't say that about a lot of things I'm commanded not to hate, but I can't find it within me not to hate the government that will shut down a child's lemonade stand because the Department of Health deems it ill-fit. I cannot, uh, I can't figure out how not to hate a government that will shut down a single mother who's cutting hair in her at her kitchen table to make ends meet because she doesn't have a business license. I can't figure out how not to hate a government that will shut down a church bake sale because the old ladies who baked the brownies didn't do it in a stainless steel commercial kitchen. And therefore it's not safe. And we can't let these things fly. I cannot find it in me not to hate the government that tells me that I owe them more in taxes than the slaves in Egypt when Joseph was second in command under Pharaoh. An oppressive government that is more wicked and oppressive than a loan shark that has no compassion and is fine taking everything away from somebody and locking them away just for the sake of convenience. I hate the United States federal government. I'll take that. I'll edit that snippet out for a promo. (laughs) Hey man, you know what? When you think about it, there, there are some, some things that are, that are morally reprehensible that the government wants to do. Yes. That the only reason that they're not doing it already is because there are enough American citizens that have been up in arms and said, no, you're not going to do that. We hate this. You're, you can't get away with that. Uh, they worked both parties, both political parties, Democrats and Republicans are both on a hell bent trail to mandate, have mandatory vaccinations. Mm-hmm. Both parties want that. Uh, Trump even was on board with that. Okay. This is something that I don't, most people don't really realize the implications of this, but there's families in California. They've had mandatory vaccinations for years we we had a child in a hospital here in Texas that we were threatened by the nurses that if we didn't give them all of their recommended shots, that they were going to uh, report it to CPS. And I said, mm-hmm. fine, report it. Go ahead. And we signed an AMA and we walked Left. to the hospital. See you later. Medical advice. 
and and we walked out and didn't give them any of the shots none of our kids have had their shots mm-hmm. um and it's not the government's i would be more likely to give my kids the shot if the government didn't tell me to do it yep but i'm getting to the point you've probably seen these shirts that says make 1984 fiction again yeah i've seen a few people wearing them <laughs> If you've ever watched the 1984 movie, mm-hmm. I get I've gotten to the point that if the government tells me something, I believe that it's absolutely the opposite. I'm yes. more likely to believe the opposite of what the government tells me. Yep. Because they're dishonest. Yeah. They're unethical. They're immoral. And they they are willing to take the, in many situations already in California, they've taken children away from their parents because the parents made a different medical decision than what the government deemed was right for their child. Yeah. Um, in, including gender surgeries oh gender yeah modification uh, therapies don't get me started vaccinations including um, all sorts of things that sh- the government has absolutely no say in yeah and they're using the education system and schools as their enforcers mm-hmm. and sneaking their agents in it's infiltrated by absolute demonic evil yeah on all levels of this government there is there is evil all over the place i'm not saying there's not good people in the government but there are are there is plenty to hate about the U.S. government. Oh, <laughs> plenty yeah. to hate about the U.S. government. Yeah, I, I'll tell you what, Caleb. My wife and I have been talking about it. because. Oh, so, Caleb, I got a joke for you. What is the best part today about being a conspiracy theorist? What's the best part about being a conspiracy theorist in America today? What, nothing surprises you? No myocarditis. No myocarditis. Okay, I don't get it. <laughs> I'm certainly okay. not a very good. That's okay. Not a very, very now, good so myocarditis either. is the major side effect uh, that is a heart condition that uh, we who are concerned about the actual level of health of the you know COVID shots um, okay. are seeing uh, as far as a side effect uh, for people that are getting the shot. So anyway, that's the. That was one we're of the, not, we're not tipping over dead in yeah. little news interviews and podcasts yeah. because we, well, I'm not. Vaccine. Yeah, exactly. That's the best part of uh, being a conspiracy theorist today is no myocarditis. Anyway. So my wife and I were talking about it, you know, about the COVID shot and, um, you know, you want the COVID shot. Great. Get it. Get five. I could care less. Uh, um, but I get to make the choice for me and I get to make the choice for my family and you get to make the choice for you and your family. And, you know, my wife um, and I are very much against it. We do not trust it whatsoever. And when people are shocked by that, I'm like, you have to be the dumbest white man in America to be shocked by me not trusting the government. Did you watch the news for the last two years? Because they said one thing and then came back and said the other within the same week. So I was lied to by doctors. I was lied to by congressmen. I was lied to by the White House press secretary. I was lied to by the president. I was lied to by Anthony Fauci. I was lied to by more doctors. I was lied to by the health department. They kept going back and forth about so many issues. And it was so comical because anyone that followed it and anyone that was on my side, which is I don't, I'm not confident about this thing yet so i'm gonna hold off anyone on that side was watching all of the same videos which were a montage that never ended of the government saying one thing and two days later saying the exact opposite and just going back and forth and it was like 1984 doublespeak where they're like oh yeah that never happened and you don't know what you're talking about and and for you to say that we said something different you're a conspiracy theorist and it's like dude it happened this week like we all saw it what are you talking about 
And for me, people were asking like, why on earth are you not okay with the shot? I'm like, guys, they lost this one. All right, just chalk it up to the most mishandled public relations event in the history of television. You are so far away from anyone trusting you, it's over. Just cash this one in, count it as a loss, lick your wounds, and get ready for the next one. Because you have lied to us so many times that I don't believe anything anymore. So just stop telling me anything. I will do my own homework. I don't need your help. And I'm going to form my own conclusions. And if my conclusion ends up me and my whole family die because we don't have some magic syrup injected into our arm, then so be it. That's what, hey, God bless America. I I can do that. Okay, I can sit at home eating sticks of butter and two liter bottles of Coca-Cola poured all over my Lucky Charms for three meals a day until my heart explodes of a heart attack. So if I can do that, then guess what? I can also decide what shots I want and don't want to get. And this one is over. So you can go ahead and you can take out as many ads as you want and have as many commercials. You can take out ads on the that the Super Bowl halftime show. Not going to help me get my shot. And I hate to tell you, I know I'm, I'm less than 20% of all America, but there will be bodies in the street before I get a shot. Okay, there is no way. If people haven't gotten the shot and the boosters by now, it's over. You are down to the group that is wearing a tinfoil hat with a rifle in their hand waiting for you to show up with a syringe. It is not going to happen. Our children already don't go to your schools because we don't trust you. We homeschool our children because we think you people are monsters. Okay, it is never (laughs) going to happen. And my wife, who already has a little bit of anxiety that she works through, is like, man, you know, every time I hear about you know them you know they're going to force the shot and they're going to do it in the schools and you can't do this and they're going to get it like that and she's like i'm so concerned that they're going to force the shot on our kids and it's like sweetie don't worry i got enough ammunition to fight off all of mesa county they are not getting a shot in any of our family's arms they will give up before then you know and the idea that we think that the government has the right to do that okay if the government has the right to make medical decisions for you then you have already crossed over the line into nazi germany you are already there in 1940 when they're saying we're going to give forced vasectomies to uh mentally uh, retarded people or physically handicapped people all get forced vasectomies because we can't have them breed anymore what's wrong with that caleb it's a medical decision and wouldn't that be better for society okay and people are like oh you're a conspiracy theorist you're a crazy person comparing it to that you're a moron you're a moron if you don't see that and i don't have time to talk to morons and not just a moron but you become involved so for our honeymoon my wife and i went and we visited a bunch of concentration camps and we Mm -hmm. visited the danish resistance that was for your honeymoon yeah for our honeymoon (laughs) the jenks family (laughs) knows how to party (laughs) (laughs) but the evil medical experiments that they ended up carrying out joseph mengele the most abominable, horrific things that happened over there. Mm -hmm. And it all started because people subjected themselves to this tyranny. Yep. And and again, the the Danish Resistance Museum is amazing just to see how many different people uh, over there in Europe that were, you know, 
civil civil disobedience to save lives that ended up doing these underground networks and smuggling smuggling um you know people away from the nazi regime yeah i i i wish when we were there i was like man that would be really cool to live during that era <laughs> you know you think about uh, dietrich bonhoeffer oh that guy is my hero <laughs> holy cow some people are critical of him because he actually was in, involved in a plot to try to assassinate Hitler. Yeah. Well, that, that Good for would him. be the most, yeah, exactly. That would be the most honorable, you know, I, yes. I would love to get to have been back there in that, in that plot and give my life. You know, he was hanged because of his involvement in that. Um, you know, he recognized, they recognized evil and they didn't go along with it. And they said, no, we're not going to do it. We're going to resist. Um, and, and, and the funny thing is, is uh, so there's, there's some in the the Anabaptist uh, movement, which I'm pretty intimately familiar familiar with, and uh, another church group that's that's local here that I have history with, that would have uh, kind of esteemed Bonhoeffer and, and some of these some of these uh, uh, what would you call them? Uh, I, I guess I guess I would call them reformers. They were they were pastors. They were people that were influential in church history. That you know that were that did practice civil disobedience. And yet some of them have become the most, you know, in, in some of the Anabaptist churches nowadays, they've become, uh, or at least in the last hundred years, they became some of the most authoritarian, almost dictator type churches that, that required absolute submission to their authority or else they would excommunicate you. Um, and, and so they, on one hand, they, they borrow from the, the, the fact that they can, civilly disobey the government because they disagree with a, a fact from the government, but then they require other people to submit to their authority. And it's the same, it's the same nonsense that you deal with in the, uh, in the, in the, the, the government that you deal with in the church. And, and really the, the United States was founded on, on, on the movement that was started by uh, Martin Luther and some of the church reformers that said, we're going to rebel against the church state the state church, you know, it was, it was, it was a religious and political rebellion all at once. They, they chose to uh, be, you know, to disobey the the government as it were, which was run by the church. But then you see right, right away, uh, a lot of the reformers end up turning around and doing the same thing. Martin Luther ends up eventually uh, forcing state church laws on people that end up getting people, ex, ex, you know, Christians that disagreed with him executed. Uh, the same thing with, we, we ran into this lady the other day. We, we had an ice storm here in Texas. So we went and got a hotel room for the night and there's this older widow lady that was staying at the hotel. And she was just one of these people that's extremely outgoing, uh, t- says hi to everybody, wants to talk to you about Jesus and tell you Jesus loves you and find out that her husband was a Methodist minister and she's been widowed, I think for 40 years, 30 or 40 years. And she was in town and staying at this hotel in college station because the Methodist church is having a meeting right now to have basically a reformation within the Methodist church because they're trying to get back to the Bible. And so they're, they're going to, I think it's going to be the global Methodist church is branching off from the uh, United Methodist church because the United Methodist church is, has uh, decided to become socially inclusive and politically correct and, allow, you know, gay marriage and whatever all they're starting to allow. And so some of the Methodists are saying enough is enough. And she said that she, that her husband had, that she wished her husband could have lived to see this day that he's, he waited his whole life for this day that the Methodist church would come back to the Bible and, and truth. And I said, well, if you think about it, John Wesley, 
as a church reformer, would have wanted exactly this to happen. He would have wanted people to follow biblical truth rather than, you know, going with the vote. And it's the same, it's the same danger that the church falls into, that Christians fall into, that uh, societies fall into, where you just go with the mob and it's very dangerous. When you become a sheep and you go with the mob and you're never willing to stand up and say, you know what? The Bible says this. This is right. This is what I'm doing, whether you like it or not. This is what I'm doing. So do you know, um, we we were talking or you, you started off mentioning um, the pastor in Germany, and I just lost his bon- name. Bonhoeffer. Bon- Bonhoeffer. Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Dietrich Bonhoeffer and how some people were... Um, less than supportive of him because he was involved in one of the plots to assassinate Hitler. So do you know about, uh, there is actually a resistance museum in Germany and it is about all the Germans, civilian and military who tried Hmm. to stop Hitler, uh, during world war two and there is a statue in a memorial in a, as a memorial in a courtyard where one firing squad uh, executed several members of uh, one of these um, uh, one of these missions. And <clears throat> the where the statue is, it's written obviously in German but translated in English. Uh, you did not bear the shame; you resisted. You bestowed the eternally vigilant symbol of change by sacrificing your impassioned lives for freedom, justice, and honor. And in that um, in that memorial, it is so powerful because it is what it is saying is the group that was executed here did not bear any of the shame of the nation of Germany and what they were doing, right? Because they resisted. And what that is also saying is that the rest of the country does bear the shame because they did right. nothing. They went along. They went along. And it, yeah. is, it is looked back, unfortunately, typically 50, 100 years later, where these people, men and women who resist tyrants, are looked at as heroes and they are honored. But at the time... Typically, that's right. not what's seen. And in America today, when there is a Christian American patriot who tries to resist tyranny uh, in order to obey God, they're looked down upon. I just want you to know if you are one of those folks out there and you're listening, okay, I respect you. And I think right. the people that give you a hard time are a joke. You're not alone. It may feel lonely. But believe me, there are plenty of us out there that think those folks are a joke. And one day they're going to stand before Jesus and they're going to have to answer to him because he thinks they're a joke too. They might be saved. They might be very kind people. They might fill your church. But their actions in submitting to tyranny makes them a joke. So not only is being a spineless coward a an embarrassing dishonorable thing it can become evil mm-hmm. if you if you don't take a stand yeah and, and and just do nothing and i i think i i consider 99% plus of american christians <laughs> as absolutely spineless cowards that and was from a recent poll we did to say that <laughs> most uh, most christians that you that you know and mm-hmm. that you go to church with and oh, that yeah. you and that you see yeah 
um, you're you're going to see absolutely nothing but a bunch of spineless cowards. Because okay? when it comes down to taking a stand, it's yeah. very uncommon, especially yes. if you're in a mainstream church. Very, very uncommon for anybody to be willing to take a stand on something like this. And so yeah. we're no better than the Germans. We just yeah. happen to not be being forced yet to, to do what they were doing. Yeah. But you know god help us if it gets to that point hopefully there's people that are willing to stand up and, and be willing to pay even if, with their life we were we went to when we were in i think it was in amsterdam we went mm -hmm. to the anne frank house we didn't actually get inside but anne frank again was a a jewish girl that that, that somebody hid her you know it was an act of mm -hmm. civil disobedience where they hid her from the nazis and she, yeah she's she and survived. i hope I, that person I was caught i hope the christians in their church found them and turned them into the Jewish authority or to the German authorities. Because that, that's the legal thing. That's the right yes, thing to do. That were, would have been the godly person, thing right? to do. Submit yourself They're to your government. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's what we need. More people finding the Anne Franks of this world and turning them in. Right. <laughs> God help us. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it's that same resistance museum that we went to or not. I think, I think it was in Denmark that we went to a Danish resistance museum. We went to a bunch yeah. of locations in Germany. Yeah. Um, it was, it was a very, very moving, uh, challenging time for me. I was like, wow, there's, there's, there were some real men that actually stood up, but very few of them, very few. And if, if a few more, I mean, there was, there was individuals over there that saved over 3000, that one person saved like three, three or 4,000 lives where they, where they smuggled, smuggled and, and saved lives. Yeah. Um, you know, it wouldn't have taken very many more people to completely undo what was going on. But, but unfortunately there was just very few that were willing to stand up. Yeah. All well, right, man. We are at a minute 33, so I think... A minute 33 or an hour 33? <laughs> no, I'm going to guess definitely an hour 33. Sorry, I was just looking at the numbers real quick. I'm exhausted, and my wife said she made some really good food for as soon as this podcast is over, so you are lucky you got an hour and a half out of me. So, so I would say if mm -hmm. I was going to leave you with anything, go try some even meaningless, meaningless act of civil disobedience. There you go. Makes you feel. Test the waters. Good at night. Yeah. You'll feel like a man. For some of you, it'll be the first time. I think it would be a good thing for you to try to do. It'll get you ready for when real persecution comes to our shores. Yeah, give, okay. Give it a shot. Yeah. It, it might be it might be the wrong thing to do, but it'll be fun. And yeah. comment and, and let Patrick know what you did. Yeah. I'll check the comments on the video too, but yeah. Okay, everybody. Thank you for joining us on the Bible Thumper podcast. You can get here every Sunday night at 7 p.m. Mountain Time, 8 p.m. Central. Just Google Bible Thumper podcast and you will find the YouTube channel. You will find the Facebook page. You will find us on Spotify and Apple and Google Play and anywhere you find a podcast. You can send me an email at BibleThumperPodcast at gmail.com. I'd be happy to uh, respond to you and chit-chat with you. I, I would love another pen pal. That would be awesome. And if you're ever in Grand Junction, Colorado, um, you can visit us at the Church of Grace. We meet every Friday night at 630. Um, if you get within five blocks of us, you'll hear a uh, middle-aged, overweight, balding man throwing a fit like a child about the Bible and how we all need to obey it. So we appreciate you guys all getting together with us and uh, hopefully 
Um, we'll catch you guys here next week, uh, Sunday night. And Caleb has signed on for another year. So we are so grateful that he has already made 50% of the appointments he was supposed to be at this year. So we appreciate you and your hard work, Caleb. <laughs> my pleasure okay have a good have a good week i think i, I think i'm at 100 percent. this is february oh no yeah you missed january yeah maybe every month or every other month every month oh brother okay oh, no. here we go <sighs> i guess we're out anticlimactic ending yeah i think we're out it it took a second but we definitely got out so yeah i don't know how so helpful that was half the reason i bought that car uh-huh. half the reason i bought that car today is because there's no seat belts in it so i can take my whole family <laughs> down the road with no seat belts oh my soul that's awesome hey i think that went really it well has two bench seats that each seat three people and we got sick yeah it was fun yeah, I don't know how helpful it was, but I felt better. I needed to get that out. That was clearly pent up inside me. So I was glad to be able to do that. Hopefully that was a service to the Lord yeah, Jesus. Yeah, same here. Yeah, I was like, oh. Yeah, I was like, this is, if, if rebellion has anything to do with it and I can mix that in with my, my theology, I'm going to be good at this. Oh, man. You know, it, this it might be my spiritual gift is rebellion. It re- Yeah, it really is hard because you can't say that you can just rebel whenever you want, but you also can't say that you just have to go along with everything. And I think the problem is far too many Christians take that one side, which is you just have to go along with everything. And I think it's a cop out. I think they just do it because they don't Mm -hmm. want to do anything else. 